0: You're listening to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. I'm Josh Wise. Last week, IATP released a report called From the Ground Up, The State of the States on Climate Adaptation for Agriculture. Joining me to talk about it is one of our summer interns from 2017, Lachlan Athanasiu, to talk about the research he did in um, getting ready for this paper that was published with Ben Lilliston. So, Lachlan, just tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you hear about IATP? You know, what what, what brought you here over the summer?
1: Yeah, so I uh, had just finished, I was in my junior year at Washington University in St. Louis, studying political science and philosophy there. And um, I, my dad actually worked for a long time and still works in sort of international climate policy and negotiations. He does work in environmental justice. So I'd sort of been interested because of that for a long time in environmental work. And, you know, I was looking at various public policy kind of think tank type internships. And then it turned out very conveniently that uh, Juliet, the executive director of IATP, had just been hired as a longtime friend of my dad. So surprise, surprise, I got that connection and then, uh, you know, applied and worked with Ben. You
0: were here for the summer Tom, um, and you were doing quite a bit of research. Um, tell us uh, what was what was the nature of your research what, how did you what did you start out doing? Where did you end up
1: So it started out with Ben there was an old report on state climate adaptation from like three or four years ago that Ben had, and the initial idea was to just do a sort of general update of it um, get you know look over what uh, they i I forget who wrote it actually but look over um what they had done and just you know try and find the new data see if states had put out any new plans but then as we looked at it more we realized that a lot of the data was not like laid out in a way that we thought was the the most useful or felt pretty out of date and there was a couple different state plans missing and as i looked at it more i realized that um, if i sort of came up with this new categorization system for breaking down the different kinds of policies that the states used um, I felt like we'd be able to present much more clearly what states were actually up to. And there had been so many new plans that it um, just developed slowly over the course of a couple of weeks into this whole new report.
0: Yeah, I think we run into that, that a lot here at IATP, where the publicly available data um, that's either being presented by local governments or companies or trade associations, there's, no, there's not a lot of uniformity to it. And so you, you spend a, a lot of time trying to figure out the terminology and the trends and whether or not people are actually talking about the same thing. So talk to me a little bit more about this categorization.
1: We started out, we didn't want to repeat anyone's work. So we were looking at different reports the USDA had put out um, on uh, climate adaptation recommendations for agriculture. And they had a uh, report, I believe it was from 2016, that made eight recommendations um, that we thought were pretty good um, but they left off what two of the biggest parts of what we had been seeing just preliminarily in state plans which were uh, economic support and uh, technical support so we added those as two new categories and then just rolled with the USDA's categories
0: right this um, is economic and technical support for farmers who are actually yeah. to implement the plans yeah okay exactly cool
1: um, the USDA have been focused more on sort of agricultural techniques, I think, than uh, the like whole policy agenda. Right,
0: right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's something we run into a lot, right, is that uh, people want to put all these expectations on the farmers, but then they don't want to pay them for it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so talk more about some of these categories. So, Or, or talk more about your methodology.
1: Right, right, right. So at a certain point, it... Uh, just required a lot of legwork which is why it was nice for Ben having me there because I had to well one first went through make sure we had all the state plans it turned out there were 18 that made concrete recommendations for climate adaptation for agriculture um and I just went through each plan most of them had a you know conveniently bullet pointed indexes at the end but some of them didn't I just read every plan and every recommendation they made, I went through and said, okay, which category did I, do I think this actually matches with? And, you know, eventually I kind of had the categories so well memorized that I was able to really fly through them and get them all down, but it was a bit of a process.
0: After you did all the data uh, or after, after you, you got all the data, you got them into these categorizations. um, What were some of the trends or conclusions that you saw about how states are adapting?
1: right so i mean most generally and it was really easy to get sort of disconnected from this because i was just we were focusing so much on the states that did have plans Mm -hmm. but i think it's important to remember that only 18 of the 50 states actually have plans and that um the ones that don't tend to be in areas of the south and the southeast that are going to see temperatures changing the soonest so Mm -hmm. the people that are going to be facing um most quickly the, uh, the dangers from climate change are the ones that are preparing least to do anything about it. So that's, I think, something we always have to keep in the back of our minds. I think, yeah, I think,
0: I think that the, the, the yeah, well, no, I mean, one of the adaptation recommendations probably is you have, you, you need to build political will, right? Exactly. <laughs> um,
1: always easier said than done.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So, uh, but let's talk, let's then move on to the the states that do have plans uh, give me a rundown. What are what are states doing well? Where are the biggest efficiencies?
1: Right. I think generally states are doing pretty well on sort of short-term, easy-to-understand goals. For instance, just improving water quality is a lot of things people worry about that, or water efficiency standards. Same with soil quality. It seems like people have been able to wrap their heads around that pretty well. Largely um, the biggest deficiencies i think are in three areas there's these like longer term broader strategies that are going to be required for and and these are longer term so we have more time to plan for them so it kind of makes sense that states aren't focusing on them right away but like making wholesale shifts in the kinds of agricultural products that uh, states are producing are just uh, focusing more generally on adapting their entire uh, agricultural systems rather than just focusing on a few little adaptations here and there. That's one Um, more concretely. There's also a lot of States, Minnesota was one actually had no policies for biodiversity and managing for the the USDA called it managing farms and fields as part of a larger landscape. So if you have something like um, you know, um, if you have more biodiverse flowers or forests around, and you maintain those, then you get these like natural pest control benefits from the anim- the animals right. that live there. Whereas, um, a lot of states are really continuing to rely on just pesticides and things like that. Um, right. And assuming that they can automate away all these processes, which in the long term is probably going to end up being very expensive.
0: Right. Um, well, and it's interesting too because a lot of the you know, the the things that you're mentioning as sort of deficiencies are the same, you know, kind of, um, it's all related to the same stuff that IATP works on, right? This is global uh, global agriculture for export. It's monoculture. It's, you know, really intensive. It's, yeah, you know, all entangled in trade policy. And if we really wanted to address that, you, you know, you need to untangle some of these international rules. So it totally makes sense um, yeah. why <laughs> it's so hard for, for States to do that. Um, talk about one other thing
1: I think I should note actually, is that the States are actually doing a pretty good job, um, proposing financial and technical support for farmers. It seems like it is, um, it is on the radars, at least of the people who are writing these plans, that it's a problem and that they just can't reasonably ask, um, farmers to do all this stuff without giving them some kind of support. Um, of course, it's hard to say. For instance, some of these plans, like Alaska, they wrote them, and then government shifted; it didn't get any financing, and just got put on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> Excuse me. So, it's hard to say, and would require more in-depth analysis um, whether that money is actually getting to farmers that was okay. proposed in the plans, and uh, whether they think it's enough. But that, so that's so that's a separate question.
0: Yeah. In, in a lot you know in, in states in general, like implementing some of these um, these policies or you know on the ground um, implementation of a policy that 's been passed um, requires a lot of infrastructure and we 're talking like physical infrastructure and that maybe you need some new aquifers maybe you need um, you know more efficient transit of of foodstuffs after harvest, whatever, but also it requires some people infrastructure as well. How do you provide the technical support and assistance? Um, How do you do evaluation? So like where are states at on actually developing some of this infrastructural stuff that supports the policy?
1: I mean, you know, they're really all over the place. There's some states like California that are doing uh, a very good job keeping tabs on How their policies are being implemented. And they have like these roving sort of technical expertise groups that will go around to different uh, agriculture communities and like help them implement um, some of these water saving techniques and things like that. Um, But uh, in terms of actual physical infrastructure, that was one of the biggest deficits that we found. Um, I'd have to go back to the report, look specifically to see which states are doing well or not so well on it um but water infrastructure generally okay i think states like utah and california water is really on their radar so they're worried about making sure they have enough but for a lot of states it just didn't seem to be something that was really on their minds or on the minds of the people writing these plans
0: Right, yeah, the idea that you have to put money behind it. Well, and that it kind of leads to another question, which, and I'm, I don't know if you know this, because it wasn't really touched in the paper, but to what extent are state governments um, taking recommendations from local governments? And to what do you know to what extent, like, they're mm. taking recommendations versus they're making kind of mandates?
1: I think that is something that, to really figure out, concretely across the board would take more research. I think we did find a couple specific examples where, for instance, in Alaska, the plan they written actually did incorporate suggestions from a lot from sort of local farmers or leaders in the community. And even though it wasn't implemented by the state, the policies made by the plan were then take, uh, the policies and recommendations made in the state plan were then taken by some local agricultural leaders and still being implemented in more regional ways. So there is some, there has been some interplay at least there um, between the state planners and the local governments. Um, But it wouldn't surprise me if it really uh, radically varied between states, how much they're actually taking local interests into account.
0: So, you know, obviously you're not at ITP now, you're back at school. <laughs> um, but if you had recommendations for what should be done with the paper in terms of the next steps in, um, you know, either working with state governments or making further recommendations on uh, climate and ag policy, what would you recommend?
1: Yeah, I think a couple big things. One, you just need to make sure that the people at state agencies who have authority in writing these plans, for instance, some states like California are, you know, writing new revamp plans and doing good, a very good job of it every couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, California is doing pretty well across the board, unsurprisingly. So maybe they don't need to see this as much, but uh, there's other States, for instance, like Minnesota that just has a huge hole in biodiversity. And it would be nice if this report could actually get to the people who are making those policies. And one of the nice things that we do is we highlight at the end of the report as we go through just a rundown of each state, um, sort of good, policies that certain states have proposed or innovative techniques they can use so my hope would be that um policymakers can look at this get a sense of where their state's at where their deficiencies are compared to what the usda has recommended to what other states are doing and then get a little bit of inspiration from where to start and actually filling those gaps
0: all right well uh lachlan thanks a lot for joining me on the podcast today
1: thanks for having me josh
0: You've been listening to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. For more information about what you've heard today, including to read the report from the ground up, the state of the states on climate adaptation for agriculture, you can visit our website at www.iatp.org. You can also download this podcast on Stitcher and iTunes, and if you've liked what you heard, you can give us a good rating. If you don't like what you heard, please don't give us a rating. I also want to thank Andrew Orisso for editing the podcast today. Thanks for listening.